0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. This morning, I pray, Father God, that you would just speak to our hearts and bring us to the place where we can hear your voice and pray that your spirit would bring conviction to our hearts. And transform our conscience and allow us to quit being the puppets of this world when we're called to be the princes to represent your kingdom. Words of righteousness and truth and peace and prosperity and life to those that are meandering, wandering in death and destruction. I pray, O God, that your mercy would be upon us this morning. That you would open the eyes of our understanding and that our hearts might be sensitive to your voice. Today might be the last day some of us hear your voice, and you called us to repentance so many times, and we've grown a deaf ear to you, O God. We pray, O God, that you have mercy upon us, and allow us to see, allow us to hear, allow us to start taking steps in the right direction, because behind our obedience, there's a multitude of people that want to know you and are lost in this world. I pray that you would have mercy on us tonight, this day, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I don't know about you, but I grew up from the moment I was eight years old and I was starting to get my my thoughts in order. I don't know if you guys remember the 1968 program called Lost in Space. Let me remember that. Lost in Space, black and white. There was no color back then. The Robinson family. This guy was demon possessed right here, Mr. Smith. He was a screwy old man. And then you had the father who was semblance. And they were just flying through space in a spaceship trying to find their way. And I was there every Saturday morning watching to see what the heck was going on. And where these people ended up. And how confused and lost they were. But let me tell you something. I believe that any one of the families in our time could outdo these people. nowadays... That little boy here who wanted to be like his father, full of courage, and was a warrior, he'd be a wimp today. He'd allow other boys to come and say he's a girl. That's the, that's the day and age we're living in. It was, it's no longer that I was terrified at the age of eight looking at families lost in space. Now we have every example of a family lost in reality. So Mr. Robinson... And we all have a Mr. Smith in our life. Somebody full of garbage in his brain. And he was was mesmerized by fear that Mr. Smith. His shadow would scare him. And I wonder who that is in your life. That is scared to lead the way. Scared to know how to proceed. Full of complexes and twisted thoughts. And then came along another program. This was in color. It was called Land of the Lost. It was also a nice program that I like to see in the morning. And again, the theme of this family was the fact that they were lost. And they had fallen behind the cracks of the Grand Canyon. And they were lost with a whole bunch of dinosaurs. And there was a little hairy boy about this big who walked around with them, and they were lost. There was a a father, a brother, and a sister. There was no mom in that expedition. These people were lost. And the producers of these programs started producing programs like Planet of the Apes, where men were sitting there trying to deal with entities that were foreign to them, and they were lost also. They were hiding. They were in caves They were overwhelmed by situations and circumstances trying to find out how to get out of this predicament. There was the twilight zone. Every episode was one that that you couldn't figure out what was going, what was the way in, what was the way out. You're about to enter the twilight zone. Some of you guys are living a twilight zone, confused, turning around to your little brother and telling him, Hey, little brother, hey, little brother, I can't find my way. Hey, little sister, I don't know what life is about. That's not the legacy God has given us. That's not the legacy God has given us. How many grew up watching Gilligan's Island? Lost on an island. Episode after episode, scene after scene. Of these seven lost, shipwrecked people. And I'm asking the question of where have you been shipwrecked? What is your little Gilligan's Island? If people were to join your crew of seven, what would come out of there? The movie star, the professor Anne Marianne, Skipper Gilligan, the professor, the millionaire what was his name? Thurston Howe third. <laughs> he still thought he was rich. None of his money meant anything if you're lost. And some people are like that upon the earth. They have so much money, and all they could do is go around in a circle of the island of themselves. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Trying to find the... The presence of God. How many of you took your children to see Finding Nemo? Because Nemo got lost. And so this is the dilemma of the world we're living in right now. People do not know what's going on. They don't know who they are. They don't know where they're going. God made man to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth. To be fruitful means to have offspring, to have family. People hate family. They don't want to have family. I looked up the word lost in the definition of the dictionary. For many people, they have many definitions. The Webster Dictionary says, one who is unable to find his way. One who is unable to find his way. The Greek word for lost is set out to be ruined, set out to destroy your life, embracing lost thoughts, lost feelings, lost words, lost steps, lost from their identity, lost. Lost. Without direction. You don't know what the start is. You don't know what the finish. You don't know you've been off course. Matthew 18, 11, We've heard this a thousand times. Jesus has come to this world. To save that which is lost. Save. That which is lost. I want to tell you that if you were to signal the direction of those that are being lost, this day and age would run there. They've made it uh, their purpose to gather those that are lost. It seems that you know, misery loves company. You find a lost person and you attach to him... And you walk in the direction of his lostness. This ultra concert here in Miami. They want to make it a week long concert next year. This the gathering of lost people. And the youth of our city and over and across other countries are coming by the thousands to be a part of a lost situation. And, and I, I really believe that, that in every person's life, God will be faithful to show up and say, I'm here for you. He did for my life when I was super lost. And he told me, I have a plan for your life. And I have a purpose. And it was the only guy that had a plan for my life. It's the only person that had direction and an identity for my life. I had already come to... After watching so many programs, you could only figure out that you would be in that course of being lost. Lost without a clue. I didn't know which way was up or which way was down. I had lost my confidence and trust in anybody to show me the way. Because it seems that if I would run to my uncles, they would point to sin. And if I run to my friends, they would point to sin. If I run to men that came across my life in every area. They were twisted. They were agents of hell to destroy my life. And thank God for Jesus Christ. Thank God for somebody who came to seek and to save the lost. I wasn't looking for the Lord, but he found me. You might not have been looking for the Lord, and he found you, and he found you with purpose. And it's horrendous that you don't have a heart for Christ. It's horrendous that the message of the Lord has been lost in your life because he was your hope and salvation. In Luke chapter 15, we see three examples of being lost in this world. He says in verse 1, all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him. To hear him. They they were attracted by his voice. By his teachings. And there were not only tax collectors. Which were the depraved degenerates of that day. The twisted men. But there were those sinners. Those that lived for sin. And in verse 2 it says that also the Pharisees and the scribes were there, and they had issue with this man receiving sinners to have something to do with them. I want to tell you something. I don't know anybody that wants to hang around with a loser, but Jesus does. Jesus reaches out. It was about 10 years ago this one woman was a homeless Totally disgusting. Her mom calls us one night and says, my daughter wants to commit suicide. Will you do something? I said, bring her to church. And she came to church that night. It was a Thursday night. The stench of hell was on this person. She smoked so many chain smoking, cigarette smoker. The stench on her hair was horrendous. And her mom was like, I need you to help my daughter. So we went into a room and we said to the daughter, we said, we want to help you. And she says, well, I need help because I'm about to call it quits. I'm about to kill myself. We said, well, listen to me. We have an amount of embrace and care and love to pour out on you. You'll never need to go anywhere else. She says, I want it, I need it. I want it, I need it. And that night we, we were challenged by, would we put her in a hotel? Because a hotel is warm, it has a shower, it has a bed, it has sheets. Would that be the signal, would that be the message Christ would send? Take her in. Let her wash up, let her be cleansed. let her rest. Put her at the end. And I said, if I did that, I would water down what Jesus would do, because Jesus would bring her home. And at that time, how old were our kids? Yvette, I think they were three, two, and one. It was Nicholas, Joshua, and Brandon. A one-year-old, a two-year-old, and a three-year-old. Here we're going to bring a 36-year-old homeless drug addict woman into our home. And we said, if we don't bring her to our house tonight, she won't know who Jesus is. She'll think it's another religious program, another religious nut, another church trying to soothe their conscience helping somebody in need. So we brought her home. And I was, when I showed up at the house with her, Yvette was like, hmm? Hmm? <laughs> <coughs> you going to put her in the terrace or outside when we lock the doors? I said, no. She's going to sleep inside. So grab all the knives and hide them. That's real. And the only reason we did that is because Jesus did that for us. Jesus brought us in. And he brought us into his family. And he loved on us and he cared for us. And we did the same thing. So she stayed with us for like five days in a row. We took her the next day to a friend of mine. She needed a we we, actually that night we asked her to go and take a shower in the kids' bathroom. And she took a shower where she came out. You're going to be sleeping here. Gave her a bed. I'm going to tell you, the stench that she had after she took the shower and after she stayed with us for five days, we had to throw away the bed she slept in for five days because that stench wouldn't go away. But I took her the next day to get a haircut. My friend who owns a beauty salon, he cuts hair. I said, I have, I need, I need a favor. I need you to cut this woman's hair. It's full of knots and gum, and she was sleeping in the dirt. So he says, man, you, you, you know how to pick them, he said. <laughs> where do you find these people? <laughs> tell you where I find them, they're everywhere. There's lost people everywhere. And we have a huge obligation, because we've been found, to help these people. And you can't play religion there. So she stayed with us five days. She says, uh, Pastor, I know it's kind of weird, but could you go get me cigarettes? I said, I can't buy you cigarettes. You can go buy your cigarettes if you want, but I'm not buying them for you. So she had somebody buy them and bring them in. and said, you're smoking outside. She smoked outside. Five days later, she says, I got to go. She was a totally different person, totally transformed. She goes, I got to go back. Uh, she, was, she had called her ex-husband. And he says, yeah, I'll take you back. Man, when he saw her, he fell in love again. She's all her hair done nice, her nails washed, cleansed. And I said, why are you leaving? She says, because I've only heard one word in this house for five days, 24 hours straight. All I've heard is Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. She says, I'm sick of that name. I got to get out of here. And she left because of that, she left. But you want to know something? The following Sunday, her husband came to church, and he's an atheist Jewish man, and he says, I believe in Christ now, because what I've seen happened to my wife. And he gave his heart to the Lord. (laughs) And so Jesus came to do that function, and it's super sad that we've turned our church house into a religious house, and there... In Luke 15, chapter 1, are the sinners, are the tax collectors. In verse 2, are the religious Pharisees and scribes, and they were complaining. This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. The connection that the house of God has is very familiar. It's on a daily basis. The descriptions of sin that come through this place are horrendous. 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 Men have asked me, Joaquin, we used to know you, and you used to run with us. How come you don't chase after sin anymore? I said, because one day, somebody let me taste coconut, and I put away caca. I used to like to eat a lot of crap. Everything that was crap, I had my nose in it. And I was eating it fast and furious. Everything that's sin. Until one day somebody taught me that I could live free from sin. Free from disgusting stench of destructive matter that continues to eat us away. And there Jesus was talking to the tax collectors, the sinners. The scribes and the Pharisees were asking what was the connection. And they were complaining. So he spoke to them a parable saying... What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine and go in the wilderness and go after that one sheep that is lost until he finds it? When he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep, which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. And Jesus is very acquainted with the issue of being lost. He came to seek that which is lost and now he's telling people the stories of the lost sheep. One that was in his fold and one who disappeared. One that was there and now was no longer there. He went looking for it. And I... If you follow this ministry for a while, if you've been here for years, you'll see that this today is a very unusual day, very unusual. And I sometimes when I see things unusual, I say God is doing this specifically and precisely with the with the precision of a surgeon because he knows who's here and he knows what they need. And once again, his love is present Where some people say, I don't see God. I don't know God. He's talking to you right now. He's reaching out for you right now. Because it might be that this whole direction of what I'm sharing must have shifted. I'll tell you what, it has shifted for me to be bringing a message like this. Once again, his tender mercies, reaching out to those... Who do not have a clue. One of the most incredible things about a lost person is that many of them don't even know they're lost. You're making decisions. You're taking steps. You're moving in a direction that's totally contrary to the purpose of God. And it wouldn't be wrong unless it were part and parcel. Drawing nearer and nearer to your direction of ruin and destruction. He then starts talking in verse 8 about the lost coin. First, the lost sheep. And now, he says, Oh, what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, and sweep the house, searching carefully Until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found that peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Some people cannot identify and acquaint themselves with being lost because they think, well, I have money. I have a good job. I have a good wife. I have good children. I have a family. Listen to me. You could have all the wealth of this world and it profits you nothing if you don't do the will of God. You must be a miserable soul that God created you for eternal purpose and you want to define yourself within temporal existence of just having a good time. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and then he talks in the same chapter, back to back, about a lost son. There is nothing more painful than a son who decides to go in the direction of being lost. He makes distinctive, deliberate, intentional decisions that are wrong, wrong, wrong. And there's no one that could tell him he's right. And he continues to walk in the path of his demise. I told you that I was called last month. It was like two weeks ago. I get a phone call from my childhood best friend, and he says, Joaquin, i got to talk to you. It's really strange because in 30 years, if I recall correctly, I've been the one that is always calling him. Hey, Carlos, I'm, I'm going on a mission trip to Nicaragua. You're going to be there, and maybe you could come with us. Hey, Carlos, we're having an activity at church. Why don't you come out? Hey, Carlos, and hey, just continue to talk to Carlos. Carlos was uninterested. In the last 30 years, he became a multimillionaire, super rich, wealthy, well-known, prosperous young man. Moved to Miami in the best neighborhoods in town, the best cars. He called me in December. He says, I bought a $200,000 car. Come and see it. I said, wow, it looks like a spaceship. This doesn't look like a car. This is good. But then he called me last month to tell me his 15-year-old son just shot himself in the back of the head. And that's why in church, these young men that are coming here, I'm not going to allow some clown to water down what we're doing here. You want to play around, you play around somewhere else. But here, this matter of life and death. It might be the very last sermon that a young man hears before the devil takes him straight to hell perpetually and through eternity. His, his father was concerned with his older son, incidentally named after himself. It was Carlos Jr. And his, son, his father would tell his son, hey, son, you're playing those video games online, and when you die or when somebody shoots you, you're able to reset, game over, and you get to start again. But that's not how it is in real life. You're not going to get another chance. Once the devil is able to do something in your life, it's game over permanently. There is no second chance. There is no, I'm going to go to my dad's church. I'm going to go get saved. I'm going to go get right. This might be your day. You might not have another opportunity. A lost son. And God is seen from this perspective. From the heavens. Later on he says it again in Luke 19 verse 10. The son of man is come to seek and save that which is lost. You know who this is talking about? You can say me. You can say it. God is thinking about me. God has made provision for me. God has a plan for my life. God has a purpose and he's willing to pay High price. It's John 3.16 where a religious man comes at night and the Lord tells him, Don't you understand that God so loves the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him should not be lost? Should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to mess it up, but that the world through him might find salvation. And it says there why some people don't come to the Lord. It says because their deeds are evil. This is the testimony that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light so that his deeds are not exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. You know, our journey to find God and our journey to fulfill his pleasure and our journey to seek He says, ask and it shall be given, knock and it shall open, seek and you're going to find. These are things that, that are our responsibility. A lot of people says, well, I don't hear God. Well, when's the last time you listened? Well, God doesn't talk to me. Well, he is right now. Once again. And so there's some people that listen to this message and say, that's me. Pastor's talking about me. Some people have come here several times. I know our friend Alex, right? It's like, man, somebody's telling the pastor something. Because every time he preaches, he's talking about me. Guess what? That's how I feel. That's how I feel. Every time God speaks, he's talking about me. He's talking about me. He's not pointing fingers at other people. He's trying to get me to the place where he wants me to be. And so there it is. Psalm 40, in verse 7. As Jesus came into this existence, he was able to say these words. Behold, I've come, and I've heard you calling me out of the scroll of the book that is written of me. He's like, man, God is talking to me out of that book he's talking about me it's written in there about me and I, I don't know that, that you think that this book is religion or you think this book is trying to abuse you this this is what God has written for man. if you if you were to pay attention to what's written Inside this book, if you would receive that for you, if you would say what Jesus said in verse 8, let's go there. He says these words, I delight to do your will, O God, and your law is within my heart. Behold, I have come to this earth to do thy will. I've come here to do what you want, to listen to your voice and to obey. And I delight. It's a delightful thing. I just, I just was able to put together a poster. I don't know if we could pull it up on, on Facebook about world-changing pleasure. Men is out there looking for pleasure. They can't find pleasure, so they're, they're out there. Listen to me. We were created for His pleasure. So nothing you do for your pleasure is going to fill you. But I challenge you to please God so you see how you feel. So I did this poster up there. It says, World Changing Pleasure. And this is following Jesus' footstep, which is our model in John eight twenty nine, When he says, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. If you're going to find yourself in this world, you were created to please God. And to please yourself and to please the lust demon and another derelict. To do that, to get engaged with fornication in in a relationship that's illegitimate, that's going to keep you super empty, super void, super lost. We were created to find out what pleases God. And so I said, if if you please mom, you're headed lost that way. If you please men, you're lost this way. If I were still Galatians 1.10... Paul says, if I were still trying to please men, I would never be Christ's servant. If I'm going to listen to what a man's heart cry is, I'm not going to be his servant. I need to listen to what God's heart cry is. And God wants us to be holy and pure. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross. And his blood washes us thoroughly. A deep, deep cleansing. If I were to please myself, get ready. Kurt Cobain will show you the way out. Nirvana, shotgun to the forehead after he pleased himself. Ernest Hemingway, the gentleman from the editor, and chief writing editor of the Rolling Stone magazine. Hunter Thompson, taking a gun up to his forehead in front of his two-year-old grandson. He says, that's not right. Well, what you're doing is not right. These are men that please themselves. Women who please their men never find the will of God. They're lost. Men who try to please some floozy be lost, pleasing friends. 2 Corinthians 5.9, Paul says, we make it our aim to please God. To please God. Highest of rewards and deepest of pleasures men can find. If they're able to listen to the Lord. And so he says, you've written about me. It's written about it, about me in your book. To come and do your will. To follow your instructions. 2 Corinthians 4.3. He says, if this good news is hidden where men cannot find it. If this, if this message is hidden. Cannot be seen. Let's read it up there. 2 Corinthians 4.3. It's only hidden from one type of people. Even if our gospel is veiled. If it's covered. It is veiled to those who are lost. Only one type of people can't see this. Can't understand it. Can't receive it. Lost. And I, I don't know what the, the end result Of being lost is gathered with lost people. I can't can't be around people that I know that don't understand without sharing God's love to them. Why is it hidden? Why is it veiled? In other words, pastor, why can't I see what you're talking about? You're going to see it right now in verse 4. The God of this age has blinded them. Satan has totally erased your ability to see. To those who do not believe, so that the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. All right, pastor, I'm listening now. I can't see, I'm lost, the devil has eaten my lunch. I'm walking with a pack of wolves instead of a flock of sheep. How do I change this course? How do I walk differently? I want God to find me. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. The only way is to seek God. And you will seek me and you will find me when you have searched me with all your heart. He's not taking sloppy seconds. He's not revealing himself to people who find it boring to be in his presence. Who find it a burden to follow his commands. You will seek me. Listen, the most glorious thing about seeking God is the fact you'll find him. The fact that he shows up when you seek him. When you search for him with all your heart. Verse 14. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will bring you back from your being bound by Satan. I will gather you from where you have fallen amongst the nations. From all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which i cause you to be carried away captive. What do you mean captive, pastor? Oh yeah, Proverbs 17 says like this. There's a tendency for an evil person. Proverbs 17:11 You know, some people have a problem with with being called wicked. I'm going to tell you what wicked is right now. Because this one young man killed 35 women, Ted Bundy, raped them, pillaged them, ripped their heads off, slit their throats. And then mom says, he's a good son. I'm going to tell you what wicked is right now. An evil man seeks only rebellion. If you, they point the way and you go the other way. You're wicked. You're evil. And it says that this type of person, this is the Bible, this is not me. I got got to preach the Bible. A cruel messenger will be sent against him. A rebel. You guys know the person that instituted taking prayer and the Bible out of school? What's the lady's name? Miriam O'Hara. Madeline O'Hare, Madeline O'Hare, she decided to take her 10-year-old boy and go to the U.S. Supreme Court and say, take the Bible and take prayer out of school. And you go home today, you do a little research on how she ended her life. What happens to a person who rebels? She got chopped up into 150 pieces, stuck in a gallon, 55-gallon tank, and thrown God knows where. You act like trash, the devil will treat you like trash. You weren't created to be trash. You were created to be a trophy of his grace. To be an object of his glory. A vessel of honor. For his praise, his pleasure. Once again, the Lord says, come. Come unto me, all who are labored and heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Talking to a gentleman 10 years ago, he says, Pastor, I need you to help me to give myself to God. And I said, I can't do that. I wish I could. Here's what I told some people. I wish I could put you in a capsule and shoot you 10 years into the will of God. I wish I could. So you see the glory of God's goodness and favor. I can't do that. This thing about giving yourself wholly to God, to do his will, is your choice. Just like you've given yourself over to passions and to lust and to disobedience and to rebellion, and you're sure to see the devil's destruction on your life. In the same way, God says, choose this day who you're going to serve. Choose this day to begin To take one step in the direction. You know, I I thank God that next week we're going to be having baptisms. And and this Nicodemus that came to the Lord at night, and he says, hey, I'm lost. I need to find my way. He says, look, you need to be born of the water and the spirit. You need to be born again. You need to take little steps in the direction of God so that you can see his glory. God's not going to take those steps for you. Let's stand this morning. A lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son. Some of you have abundance of finances and riches, and you're as lost as the person who's a homeless downtown. You don't know what to do with it. Start drawing near to God. God did not give you that. So, you could shoot yourself in the head. This young man that just killed like seven people last week in Hialeah, I said, poor guy, he probably didn't have a job, didn't have money, he didn't know what to do. And guess what? He had $90,000 in his bank account. $90,000 in his bank account. So, he wasn't shooting people because he didn't have a place to stay or because he didn't have money. He was shooting people because he was lost. He was lost. And I, I give thanks and glory to God this morning that he would bring a message like this. Because this, the only thing that's happened this morning is an invitation. Yes. He's, he's made it clear that he loves you. He's made it clear that he brought you into existence. That he has a purpose with you. That he's put you at the right place at the right time with the right people. That you could get connected. And you could start saying, Lord, I want to find you. I want to I want to." Fill you up with pleasure. There's, there's no greater pleasure. There's, some men live for the pleasure of, of doing things to, to prove themselves to their dad. And guess what? That's, on an earthly realm, that's glorious. But on a heavenly realm, get ready for a rocket ride. Get ready for great, great, great things. Where God looks from the heavens and says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. A son of God well pleases God in all things. If you've heard and received the message this morning, just raise one hand and say, Lord, I want to press in. I want to press in to your plans for my life. I want to press in to the voice of your spirit. I want to be the prince that you have set aside. I want to be the princess. And you desire to do great big things for your glory. To leave a legacy of footsteps to my sons and daughters, to my little brother, to my little sister. Like Nicholas said, it's only when we can see those who've gone before us, we're able to know how to do it ourselves. Our time, our talents, our treasures for his glory, for his name. So Satan won't continue to raise his throne up above the throne of God and use you for his glory. Use your rebellion for him to tell God, see, he's a more faithful son to me than he is to you. He obeys me. He follows me. He surrendered his will to my pleasure, to my desire. Father, I thank you today for this is the day that you have made. And it's made for us to live for your glory, to do your will. And it's made for us to have open ears and an open heart, to listen and to obey and to fulfill your good pleasure. Say with me, all the days of my life, surely goodness and mercy will follow me and I will dwell In the house of the Lord forever and ever. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.